Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Song, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us each week as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Daryl. And we are back for another episode of Inside Inside Sales. How are you doing, everybody? It is a wonderful day. Guess what? It's my first day of vacation. It really is. I rarely take vacation. I, in fact, avoid taking vacation. Not because I don't like it. It's just because I just have too much fun doing my job. So ironically, here I am on vacation on my first day, and I'm sitting at you know, in my basement of my house, having a wonderful conversation with a killer guest you're going to meet shortly. That's what it's all about, right? If you're, what do they say? They say, if you, um, if you like your job, you never work a day in your life. And that's a wonderful expression. And I've, uh, I've had enough jobs to know when I'm working and when I'm not working and, uh, and I'm having fun. And, but I always, you know, I guess it gets me pondering as you start every job, you sit back and you say, you know, is this going to be a job that I'm going to like? Will I sit back and say I'm working or I'm not? And I know, as you know, that working in sales can be, like let's, let's say it can be a challenging proposition. It can be very rewarding. The highs are high and the lows are low, right? When you're rocking it, when you're hitting your number, when you're just, you know, closing everything in sight, you feel like you're on fire. You are invincible. And you go this. This, my friend, is why I do this job. This, this is, I have fun. I'm talking to great people. I'm representing a great product and I'm making a difference in people's lives. And I get to hang out with these people and I get to problem solve with these people and I get to help them be successful. And along the way, I get rewarded financially for my, my efforts. This is a good thing. But then there's the other side and there's the other side when. Perhaps nobody's returning your phone calls. Nobody's responding to your emails. When you get in, you're getting shut down over and over again relentlessly. And you sit back and you say, why do I need this rejection? Why do I put myself out there? And it can often suck. <sighs> Welcome to the joy of sales, right? It's true. So then I often, you know, I sit back when I start my new jobs and I say, what will make this job different? How will I have success versus failure? And that's the big thing. How will you have success versus failure? So if you're listening to this, perhaps nod your head yes, if you can relate to this or sit back and listen and learn if you can't. I ask, I ask you, how many times have you gone into a job and said, these are the intentional tactics I shall take so that I can optimize my likelihood of success. And if I do these tactics, well then, I have done everything I possibly can. And if it does not work out, it's not for lack of effort, it's because it just wasn't meant to be. The gods are not smiling upon me. Having a plan is huge. Now my job, you know, my full-time job is marketing, not sales. Although any more these days that you and I both know that line blurs and blurs and blurs because when does marketing end and sales begin? Who really knows? 
But the reality is I have a plan. I go and talk to all the stakeholders. I get, you know, their input and what they think I should be doing. I ask them if I was doing my job in three, six, 12 months, what will have happened for you to say, yeah, that Daryl guy, he was a good hire. I check out the technology. I make sure I understand it. I actually give myself a 30, 60, 90, or as the classic saying goes, 100-day plan with milestones and objectives and accomplishments I need to do. I tend to over-communicate and ask way too many questions, and I do that all intentionally so that they know I'm there and I know that I'm learning and I'm learning from them. I'm learning from my colleagues. I'm learning what they know already, what works, what doesn't work. Do you do that? When you start your job, you're a new salesperson. How do you find success? Well, that is the golden question. So what do you do when you need to get the answer to the golden question? You bring in the industry's rock star. One of the four horsemen himself, Anthony Anarino, is on the line. If you don't know him, well, let's go through the usual. He is an international speaker. He is a best-selling author. He is a sales leader. He is an entrepreneur. If you like my podcast, Inside Inside Sales, well, then you know what you got to do? You got to listen to in the arena because that's his podcast and every single week he's having fantastic stuff right now i see his most recent episode was with mike weinberg all about sales truth by the way that's mike's new book if you haven't got you know bought it yet get out there buy it fantastic stuff so uh you know he's all he's got conferences he's the man so I, I don't know if I can suck up any more than that, but I can tell you he's got a killer blog. He's got a Sunday, a newsletter that comes out every Sunday. Sign up for it. But I'm going to put Anthony to the test. I'm going to say, Anthony, what can you do to help us understand how new salespeople can find success? And I know he knows the answer because he actually blogged about it not too long ago. My math says he has nine tips. Let's see if he can bring them and share them with us. Anthony, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That's a great intro. And it's funny that Chris Beal, who showed up at the first Outbound Conference, started describing me and my peers as the four horsemen. And somehow that stuck well enough that it ended up in Ottawa, Canada. <laughs> I don't know how that ended up spreading so fast, but that's now uh, our moniker, I guess. Yeah, so no, it's legend. I actually was talking to Mark Hunter the other day, and I actually asked that point blank question. I said, How the hell did you guys become the four horsemen? And he's like, well, that's a good question. He goes, we are the four horsemen. We're the four titans. He goes, I don't know how it's stuck. And, and the, you remembered Beale. Uh, he couldn't remember Beale. He just, he just, I don't know, but it kind of stuck. And I said, well, there you go. I'm, I, I, as the marketer, I mean, I love it. I mean, that's branding right there. I think, so, I think Beale says that in sort of reference to the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because we were, <laughs> we were the only people out, you know, trying to shout back into LinkedIn the fact that the phone hasn't died and that the best salespeople are really good at the phone. And we got so much flack and we had so many people writing horrible things to us and about us for not buying the the idea that the phone was dead. Uh, Chris called us the four horsemen, and I think it was more in, in uh, reference to the apocalypse because uh, <laughs> people thought we were coming down, you know, on like uh, horses on fire and dragons or something. But uh, I like it. I'm glad, I'm glad he stuck it with us. Oh, I think that's a fantastic one. And he's such a great guy. And by the way, guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, Chris Beal, he's the CEO and founder of Connect and Sell. He's a fantastic speaker. He's prolific. I've spoken with him on a few panels myself this year already. And we always run into each other the same shows. If you don't follow him, you should follow him. But he's yeah, he's he's amazing. I quite enjoy him. But with that said, 
you know, I look at every single new salesperson and they seem to go into a job almost with, you know, trepidation. Now, not everybody, you know, if, if you're listening, guys, and you're like, not me, I, I rock it, then that's cool. <laughs> you can just hit pause right now. But my gut says there is a little bit of nerves and there's a little bit of uncertainty whenever you start a new job. It's, it's real. It's cool. But, uh, but my good friend Anthony, he's got nine tips. So, Anthony, uh, do you want to work through these in order as you've got all on your blog? Or you just want to go weigh it. What do you want to do? Sure, we can we can do them in order. And uh, all right, I'm, I'm happy to take them in that that same order. Well, then I'll prompt you, and then you tell me what it is you're thinking of, and uh, sure. together, folks, we'll do this. So, number one, and we've had a number of episodes about this recently on the on Inside Inside Sales Guys. Go back and check it out. It is all about developing the right mindset. I know that's huge, but talk to me about what you mean when you say that. I love that question, and I love the concept. When I wrote my first book, I had a publisher that reached out to me, and they said, we'd like to talk to you about publishing your book. And I sent them the book, and they read it, and we had our follow-up meeting, and they said, we hate your book. And I said, well, that's not a really good starting place for us. If we're going to write a book together, probably that's not a good place to start. And they said, why on earth? Would you have something like discipline in a book about sales? Everybody hates discipline. Why would you do that? And then you wrote about caring and caring and sales. How does that work? It doesn't even make any sense to us. And we eventually discovered that we weren't going to write a book together. It didn't take very long after that opening to, to realize they didn't really get the book. But the first half of the book, actually, it's a little bit more than half, is about your mindset because who you are matters more than what you do. And if you want to make it easy to sell, become somebody that people want to buy from. So that means you need to be disciplined in your approach and in your actions. You need to be optimistic. You need to care about other people, which we call other orientation. You have to be about serving. You have to be super competitive, uh, resourceful. And if you're listening to this and you're an SDR, resourcefulness is the name of the game because you have to keep calling the same people and you have to change your approach and find something new to say. And you have to be proactive, persistent, and you also have to be a great communicator and accountable. And that makes up the first half of my first book, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need. And my view is if you get the mindset right and then you build the skills on top of that, you get better really fast because you're somebody worth buying from in the first place. So that's where you should start is start with your mindset. What do you believe? And then what actions are you taking based on those beliefs? Now, talk to me about this mindset of being competitive. That's an interesting one. I don't disagree, but I want to explore that. What does that mean to you? It's really interesting. We don't talk about it anymore, but it's a zero-sum game. I mean, for, for me, uh, if, if I win the business, somebody else doesn't have that business because they lost it. And my third book is called Eat Their Lunch, and that's a book about literally taking clients away from your competition because that's what we're doing. We're coming in and we're displacing somebody else. So you have to have the mind of a competitor, which means this is a contest. Somebody wins and everybody else loses. And so you have to bring that spirit to it and say, this is a game that's got consequences. There's going to be one winner. And it doesn't matter how well you play the game. When there's one winner, you, you have to play as if Everybody has a really good shot of losing on this kind of thing. So you have to bring everything to that contest. And I don't think that we teach salespeople that because we're, we're more sensitive, we're kinder and softer in sales than we were in the past. But you have to retain that. You have to recognize this is a competition to see who can create the greatest value for the client. 
who can create the greatest preference to work with them or their company and their solution. And you, you have to play and know that every interaction counts. So if you're an SDR, you might think, well, all I have to do is get an appointment and then I'm going to have somebody else on my team handle that call. That is the wrong way to think about this. You're part of the experience right from the beginning. And you have to say, I'm going to create compelling, differentiated value. That means they're going to show up for the meeting that I book because they recognize there's going to be a value proposition that's going to serve them. That's how you have to think about this. So if you said your first half of the book on the only sales guide you'll ever need, that's his first book. By the way, second one is The Lost Art of Closing. He's already mentioned the third one, Eat Their Lunch. The second half, if I recall, of The Only Sales Guide Germany, it talks about acquiring the skill sets. Step number two. So, I mean, don't we all just do that? Or is this something that you're talking, again, this is an intentional aspect. I don't, I don't think anybody before my book wrote down what the skills are for a, a B2B salesperson today. I mean, I don't think anybody ever wrote them down. And I think the novelty of this book uh, is there is no novelty. I mean, everything in there is very well known. And at the end of every chapter, there's three more reading recommendations. But you do need to know how to do certain things. You need a certain set of skills to be able to be effective in sales. It starts with closing. And if you're an SDR, you're like, well, I don't close. All I do is get a meeting. Well, you're closing for a meeting. And it turns out that the commitment for time is maybe the most difficult uh, of all the commitments you have to gain along that path. So you're, you're learning to close for a meeting. And what you're going to find out through your, your career in sales is that you're always closing for the next meeting. So closing ends up being the fundamental thing that we do. We gain commitments to take the next step, starting with the commitment for time in a meeting. You also have to know how to prospect. And if I were to pick just two out of the list of, of eight, if you get these first two right, if you can learn how to gain commitments and prospect well, you're going to have a really good career in sales. I mean, th those two are so fundamental. They're in order. And in that order, it's really, really important that you get those two skills first. Then there's some other things that you need to do. You need to know how to present and tell a story and help somebody understand a value proposition. You need to be able to diagnose and look and say, okay, what's the ground truth here? What are they really suffering from? What's their real problem? How do we do something about that? You have to learn how to negotiate. And then the, the last three skills are skills of a higher level. They're a different magnitude. You need business acumen. So that means you need to understand how your client's business works and how your company works and how those two come together and how you create value. You need to build consensus, which means you're really in the change management business. And you have to lead even when your title doesn't say that you're a leader. You have to lead by having your team do things and having your client's team do things and, and move initiatives forward so that your client gets the benefit of whatever it is they bought from you. Those are the skills. Number one, develop the right mindset. Number two, acquire the skill sets. Number three, and I love this bullet. I love this point. Become the subject matter expert. And the reason I love this it's because I could teach you how to sell, number two, acquire the right skill sets over and over again. But if you don't know the subject matter for which you are selling, for which the world your, your prospect lives in, you will never connect and never be able to form a solution that is winning and effective and results in the outcome you want. Now, that's my point of view. But Anthony, what's your take on this? Well, every salesperson will say something like, I want to be a trusted advisor, or I want to be consultative. And I, I want to be the person that the client turns to as a peer. 
Okay, so a trusted advisor is made up of exactly two parts, trust and advice. Okay, so the trust part, people tend to be pretty good at. It's the advice part. Why should I take your advice? What do you know? How much experience do you have? How much are you an expert on what it is that you sell or what I would say the intersection between your business and my business? So you need to understand my business, but you're never going to be an expert at what I do. But you do need to be an expert at that intersection where you create value for your customers. So I call this a 52% SME because I've seen so many salespeople that can't have a conversation with a client unless they have the SME with them. So then you're not the trusted advisor. You're just a person who happens to know people who knows things. You have to know things. You have to be able to say, this is the right answer for you and here's why. This is the way that you should be looking at this and here's why. So if you're not developing your subject matter expertise, if you're not becoming an expert at what you do, then you can't be a trusted advisor because you have the trust, but you're missing the advice. So you have to put a lot of effort into becoming a 52% subject matter expert, which means, look, you don't have to have all the technical know-how. You have nerds on your team that you can get with the nerds on your client's team so they can nerd out together and have the, that conversation that they want to have. But you have to be good enough that you can get through the first or second level conversation with people. And even as an SDR, you should be learning to, to develop that subject matter expertise by listening in on calls and really listening for what clients need and how your, your company helps them get the outcomes that they need and uh, the reason that they buy from you in the first place. So this means, guys, that you need to really know your client's world. You got to read the same journals they read. You got to be involved in the same discussion groups they're involved in. You've got to ask a lot of pointed questions. And don't just listen so you know what to ask next. Listen to understand. If you don't know, ask them. They will gladly educate you. You take them out for coffee. You meet them at a conference. Whatever it might take, get to know their world. It candidly, it's no different than dating somebody. You date them to get to know them and you ask the questions and you invest the time and you do the research and you talk to their friends and their family, whatever it might take, get to know who these people are. Be the subject matter expert. We've talked about this over and over again in previous ones. This is huge. All right. With that, we're going to go for a break. We've gone through the top three right away, which was the biggest one in my mind, the mindset, the skill sets, and the, the SME, the subject matter expert. When we come back. It's going to be lightning round times. So we have six to go. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and they're only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is an engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more by ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds persistently and with the cadence that's optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com.
And it's back time for Lightning Round with Anthony Anarino. He is the man. Again, check him out on his website. Just Google it. It's awesome. You're going to find so much content. Sign up for the weekly newsletter if you don't have it. All right. Anthony, Lightning Round. One a minute. Let's do this. Step number four, become world-class at prospecting. Talk to me. The very best salespeople create their own opportunities. It's nice to have help from marketing. It's great to have inbound, lovely to have referrals, but the best salespeople don't wait for that to happen. They pick up the phone, they call their dream client, they get a meeting, and they create new opportunities on their own. If you're world-class at prospecting, you're going to be a great rep. And so what that means, guys, you need to be intentional. You know, you need to actually book it on your calendar every single day for, you know, certain areas that you are doing nothing but that. No distractions, no excuses. You're not saying I'm going to spend a lot of time researching, not to say don't research. I'm saying don't delay. You become world class at it. And it's a skill you refine. You got to commit to the process. And I know not just the phone. I mean, I believe, you know, Mike Weinberg's example, right? He just loves social selling, right? I'm just being cheeky there for a second. <laughs> The idea, though, is that it's omni-channel, right? So you want you don't know where they're going to live. So you want to make sure you're hitting everything up. And by the way, on that social, to be world-class at it, here's where it intersects back to number three, but becoming a subject matter expert. How do you look right now on LinkedIn? If someone were to look at your profile because you reached out to them in the prospecting stage, do they look at you and say, that individual seems to have a lot of posts and comments and engagement that might suggest they are a subject matter expert and therefore worthy of my time to respond to them. That's what you have to look at because when you prospect, they're checking you out. Step number five, improve your business acumen, which is a little different than, of course, than becoming a subject matter expert. Anthony, explain the difference and why this matters. For me, it means turning my Sirius XM radio off of Howard Stern and onto CNBC. And you, you have to be curious about business. And business is really very much like the, uh, the TV show Game of Thrones. I mean, there's a battle going on. There's all kinds of sides being drawn. There's all kinds of, of relationships. You have to understand how business works. And, and listening to something like CNBC and reading Forbes and reading Fortune and reading Fast Company and reading Business Week, and having a, an RSS feed full of business insights that come through, uh, even something like an app called Quartz, where you can get the, the business news on a daily basis, that makes you a business person. So it's great to have sales acumen. You need to know those skills, but you also, you're a business person. You're offering people business advice. You're trying to tell them to do something different with their business when you sell to them. So you have to be a business person. So you absolutely want to ramp up your business acumen and start listening and paying attention to how business works. I can't stress that enough. It's they're, they're, you know, your prospects aren't just doing these things. They're not buying your tools, your software to make their life better. They're doing it because if they make their life better, then they actually make more revenue. They make more margins. They do have more market share. You know, they have corporate goals. Everything they do is because they've got a stated corporate goal that they need to achieve. And if they do that and they're publicly traded, the stock will go up and the company will be worth more and all the investors will be happy. If they're privately held, well, then they're taking dividends or whatnot. It's all the same. That's why they do that. If you don't understand business, the actual reason, the math behind why they do all this stuff, then you're never going to be able to connect with them. You need to understand the root cause. Step number, what are we up to? We're up to number six here, I guess. Let your dream clients educate you. We, we, we touched to this a little, a few minutes ago. Talk to me, Anthony. Give me examples. 
When I was a kid, uh, I got into sales because I was forced into sales. And when I, I started to realize I didn't know anything, um, my life got better. And instead of deciding that I was going to talk about me or my company, I sat down with uh, grownups and I would ask them, help me understand how somebody in my role and in my industry should be creating value for you. Help me understand what I need to know to be valuable to you. And they would tell me, look, we're trying to reduce our spend in this particular area, or we're trying to get greater efficiencies in this other area. And they would say words like throughput. And I understood what it meant, but I didn't understand how they were using it in relation to their business. So I started asking people to teach me. And it turns out that if you say, help me understand your business and why you do this the way that you do, you're what I would call situational knowledge, your experience to say some people do it this way and this is why, and other people do it this other way and this is why, you start to be able to make discernments about what advice to give based on what you can see because you've been educated by a whole bunch of people. And listen, they love to teach you their business. People love to talk about their business and themselves. All you have to do is ask the question and they're going to take off and you're going to leave the meeting being uh, less ignorant than you were when you came in. And you're also going to be able to apply what you learn from them to every deal that comes after that when you're, when you're becoming a, a vertical expert or a subject matter expert. Step number seven is really what we talked about already. Remember we said you got to invest in yourself. Did you, did you hear us say that? Because we kind of said it and we did and I, and I killed that idea. But now this is actually being intentional. Write a professional development plan. Well, why does that matter, Anthony? Because it's your responsibility and you are the greatest asset you're ever going to have. And you own your yourself uh, free and clear of any obligations. So you have to decide, what do I need to learn? How do I need to grow? What's the best place for me to put my effort so that I can create greater value for other people and become more valuable to my company and to my clients and to have the life that I want to have? So you need to make a list of what do I need to read? What do I need to study? What courses do I need to take? And you write your own professional development plan. Don't wait for your company to do it. Decide for yourself what you want. And if you do that, you will probably end up very quickly in the top 10% of not only your company, but probably the field. Because most people won't put forth the effort to grow themselves and instead sit back and passively wait for somebody to do it for them. So remember, step number one was mindset, and part of mindset was accountability. Be accountable. So step number seven, write a professional development plan. That's you being accountable. So that's just one example. So if step number six was let your dream clients educate you. Ironically, step number seven is the same premise, but to a different segment. Steal from the best salespeople. Love this, but explain, Anthony. What does that mean? I was with Jeb Blunt, and I was talking to one of my clients, and I said – listen, I don't want you to underinvest in the result. And as much as I know you're doing your, your job by asking for my best price, what I'm afraid of is that you're going to take money out of the result that you're trying to get. And it doesn't make sense to do that. I don't want to let you underinvest. And Jeb was sitting next to me and he said, man, that's good language. I'm stealing that. And, and that's what the best salespeople do. When you hear somebody say something that's super effective and it makes sense, you want to pick up all those talk tracks you want to model other people's beliefs and their behaviors. If you see somebody that's super successful, that's a clue. You say, look, what are they doing? What do they believe about what they're doing? How do they approach that? Do they have good language? Do they have good behaviors? When somebody's succeeding, what you do is you try to look at their recipe and say, I'm going to follow that same recipe because it speeds up your results.
the last step, step number nine, ask your manager for coaching. And I love this. You're basically asking them to work alongside you to make you aware of what perhaps you're missing. But what's the power of that, Anthony? What's the power of actually proactively seeking assistance? You can't see your own swing. That's what they say about golfers. They have a, a, a coach because they can't see their swing, but somebody else can see it. And if you go to your manager and say, I'd like to ask you for coaching, and I'd like for you to help me find the spots where I need to do better work and start exploring new choices I could make, you're massively going to speed your growth and development. And I think I don't know that I have anybody who's ever come back and said their manager refused to coach them. When you go and you say, I'm interested in developing myself, and you ask somebody for help, they help you with that. And the speed of your learning curve on all of these things is simply an individual choice. How bad do you want this? How willing are you to do the work to become what it is that you want to become? And of the three books I wrote, you know, I have a soft spot for the only sales guide for new salespeople because those who I had in mind, selling is completely individual. So it's all up to you. It's 100% on, on your shoulders to decide how you're going to play this game and how fast you're going to get to a high level of competency. And I would use every resource available, including my manager. Uh, or supervisor to come and give me some coaching so I could get better in the areas where there's a gap in my performance. If you do that, you will find your way to the top of the stack rank a lot faster. There you have it, folks. Nine ways for the new salesperson to find fast success. Compliments, of course, of Anthony Anarino. You can find him at thesalesblog.com. And of course, he's everywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, public speaking. Take him anywhere you want to just for getting any one of his books. My friend, what else is going on these days? What what is what should my audience know about you? Any final words of wisdom, sage advice, anything? Final thoughts? Yeah, the best thing that I can say, especially because this is inside inside sales, which you know you're repeating yourself, right? In, I do, but in, I'm getting inside. inside you are getting sales. inside. Here's what I would say. I, I imagine that the people listening to this are are in a role, and we're talking about new salespeople. So I would say. Right now, decide what it is you want. Decide what it is you want for your life. Decide what it is you want that you're going to call success. And write it down and start doing everything you can to work towards doing that. There's nothing between you and what you want except for your willingness to take action on that. But first, you have to do the hard work of deciding what do I want my life to look like? How's this going to work for me? And then put all your effort into building that, whatever it is in your world. Success comes from knowing what it looks like what you want go after right. it that's the beauty of this career is that you can make it happen with this career i wish i had more time anthony unfortunately we have exceeded our allocation but like i said guys go to the salesblog.com check out all his resources you can carry on sign up for in the arena his podcast so you can hear more of him all the time in the meantime i'm out of here my name is daryl prail i'm with vanilla soft don't forget we would love a rating a review any kind of sharing on the inside inside sales podcast on your favorite podcast directory in the meantime i'm wishing you happy selling you guys take care bye-bye you've been listening once again to another episode of inside inside sales hosted by daryl prale the cmo of vanilla soft Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by Vanilla Soft. <laughs>